Welcome to Late Learner Podcast. I'm Allison Hare. Um, and if you've been listening to me, you will realize that my voice probably sounds a little bit different. And if you haven't heard me before, imagine that my voice is a little more mellifluous than it is now. Right now, I sound like Jojo Siwa, and uh, we're just going to roll with it, all right? Um, and so I'm so glad that you're here. Last week, Uh, On the podcast, we talked a lot about spirituality, woo-woo a little bit, and some of the methods and feelings that you can't necessarily prove or substantiate, but you feel it and believe it. And I can't tell you the kind of conversations I've had and heard you have with your circles about your level of woo-woo and your level of spirituality and your questions over religion or God or the universe and all of that. And if you haven't listened, please go back and listen to episode 172. And one of the concepts I've been thinking about is how you store emotions in your body, traumas, fears, anxiety, even joy and happy memories. You know, it's kind of like the, the, the sensory emotions that get stuck there that if you go past a store and you get a whiff of a smell and it sounds, it it smells like your grandmother's perfume and it might bring back a memory. Uh, It may trigger something else, sometimes happy memories as well. And, uh, you know, have you read the book, The Body Keeps the Score? It's a, there's a book out there. It's by Bessel van der Kolk. Not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but it's called The Body Keeps the Score, Brain, Mind, and Body in the Healing of Trauma. And so a few years ago, I remember thinking that I could easily compartmentalize different aspects of my life. My work felt very draining and constrictive, Uh, you know, really soul crushing was the best way to put it. And my home life felt totally different. It felt safe. It felt happy. Dance and my podcast, this podcast and writing would bring me so much joy and it felt really expansive. And so I'd be at work and feel a certain way. And then I would go somewhere else and feel a completely different way. And it got to the point where work was so stressful. I would wear my shoulders like earrings. My stomach was always in knots. I took melatonin every night to just guarantee and make sure I got some sleep. I would snap at my kids and my husband. And during this time, I had my very first panic attack wake me up in the middle of the night. And I literally thought that I was going to die. I knew something had to change. And, you know, like while I thought I could compartmentalize the good things, the things that felt expansive, the things that felt restrictive, I could no longer neatly put my work hat on and when it's done, take it off and shift to something else. It was all bleeding over where my body was like, F off, do something different. So I wonder, how does energy get stuck in your body? How can you effectively move it out in a way that's healthy? Well, I've got two ways for you. The first is a really exciting announcement I have to make. And I have to say, I've been sleeping on this for many, many months. Um, But I've put together an inaugural in-person mini retreat in Atlanta on February 18th. It's a Saturday. And it's called Calm in the Chaos. 
It's exactly what it sounds like. And it's presented by Just Add Honey Tea. And if you know me, it's my absolute favorite loose leaf tea. It's locally owned. Uh, It's very close to my house. I push it on everyone who comes near. But anyway, this will be a mindful Atlanta Beltline walk followed. Now, this is not like just a walk on the Beltline like you can normally do. This is something that's going to be very different. You're going to be experiencing the world around you in a very, very different way. And my goal with this is to make sure that the tools and the resources and the things that you learn in these three hours, it's just three hours, this mini retreat is going to be able to, you can apply it when you leave. And that's the whole purpose so that you have this amazing time, you learn these skills, and slowly and surely you get to incorporate them and integrate them into your life and lead a, uh, have a little more control, I would say, over the emotions or at least be able to handle them in a way where you feel more, um, where, where they just feel more fluid, I would say. And so, So what we're going to do is we're going to do a guided meditation. No, so we're going to do the Atlanta Beltline Walk followed by a guided meditation and journaling session at a private wellness studio. And this wellness studio, it literally looks like heaven. This event will also have a tea sipping experience and education on the calming properties of how to transform your mood through the experience of tea. There are a lot of other surprises for you. You can get more details on it. And one thing is for sure, if you choose to carve out these three hours for yourself, the people you will meet, all of it will be amazing. I believe there are never any accidents when you say yes to something like this and who you end up connecting with and meeting. So go to allisonhair.com forward slash calm and grab your spot as there are limited seats. Now, the second, the second way that we can help with learning about the energy stored in your body is my guest today, and it is Dr. Crystal Fannin. She's a physical therapist specializing in pelvic floor health and also a yoga instructor. And what I love about this combination is not only more of a focus on pelvic floor physical therapy, but also the spiritual element interwoven into her ethos body, mind, and soul, especially when you think of your pelvic area, the creative center, the birthplace. Imagine how much energy can get stuck there. I learned a lot from this conversation. And when I had my kid years ago, pelvic floor physical therapy was available, but it wasn't really as mainstream as it was now, as it is now. It didn't even occur to me. And I sure wish I knew then what I know now. And before we jump in, I'll let you know that you can support this podcast and me as an independent creator, get all these episodes ad-free and early, and get bonus content at patreon.com forward slash late learner. Here is my chat with Dr. Crystal Fannin. 
All right, we are here on an impromptu conversation with Dr. Crystal Fennan. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I love that we're able to do this. And it's so funny how we connected on this topic of woo-woo. <laughs> <laughs> so you being a physical therapist, a yoga instructor, you have lots and lots of education and work directly on women's bodies mm -hmm. for the most part. Do you work on both men and women or primarily women? I do work with both men and women. And for a while I was seeing more men than women, but um, a lot of my work is tailored towards uh, women and their strength and their health issues. Yeah, and so there are so many people that work on bodies that you wonder how much they know about your body. How much do our bodies tell us that we don't know about? I say a fair amount. And I feel like our society uh, does not pay attention to the subtleness of our body or the whispers, I like to call it, that are warning us that something is coming down the pipe. Whether we have an orthopedic injury, like somebody's nagging shoulder or they're nagging low back, but even more so in areas around the pelvis and low back, we can also just not know that something is coming until it is. I think people are becoming a little more attuned to listening to their body a little bit more. Oh, yeah. And it's an interesting arc that's happened, I think, in our society. And I'm wondering, what did spirituality look like in your house growing up? Yeah. Um, so I have an interesting background and my spiritual walk is uh, one that is very varied. So I grew up in a religion that was very legalistic. And what does um, legalistic mean? Legalistic meaning that if you don't do X, Y, and Z, you are doomed. That's okay. how I felt. Wow. So a lot of fear mongering. Yeah. Um, but I had, I felt like I had a, a good relationship spiritually with my God or God and or greater source. However, you know, people look at it. Um, so for me, um, I feel like myself, I'm intuitive. Um, that's one of my strengths, I believe. And I, I'm, I don't feel things that are like clairvoyant or anything, but I just feel like in situations and energies and emotions, especially in the household, I either absorb them or I can just pick up on certain things. And I feel like that has carried over into my work as a yoga teacher and a pelvic health PT. So how did you know, did, I mean, was that apparent growing up or when did that, how did you get into, into your work today? Like yeah. something must have guided you there. I definitely, uh, what's guiding me is the ability to help people. So I was like, I want to do something that's going to help people. Um, and physical therapy was on my mind since I was in high school. I thought maybe I'm going to be a massage therapist and work with my hands. But then through schooling and through sports like um, basketball and track and field, I just got really into the orthopedic side of things. Um, but my impact that I have on people, I feel like I can really share through my work as a physical therapist and now a yoga teacher. Also in college, I taught group exercise classes. And so I taught Zumba first, and then I taught some um, strength classes um, at my college that I was at. And so that was fantastic. But I feel like sharing my energy, like in the same room with a person is what I wanna be doing. So that helps with my ability to heal. And with every session that I have with clients, you never know 
what they're going to come in with. And you need to be able to pivot on a dime. And you may have something planned for their next session, but if they come in representing a, a different issue or feeling a certain way, we've got to address it. So I'm also very uh, resilient and can you know, make changes right on a dime. Yeah, so when you were in school, you have this intuitive sense, you know, wanting to help people. I imagine in a physical therapy, most people have that. Was the the energetic uh, component of healing taught in school or is that something that, I, I feel like it's kind of entered the lexicon more and more now as, you know, I've done some homework on this and it seems like people are becoming more and more wary of politics, medical, you know, all of these things that are kind of intertwined and really kind of bastardizing and having us question all of the systems that are in place. So what did that look like in school? And how do you kind of figure out your own sweet spots? Yes. So in school, especially uh, getting your doctorate in physical therapy, the main purpose of that is to pass the exam. So we're learning just a lot of textbook things, you know, how to work with clients. Of course, we have um, eight months to a year of experience as a student physical therapist, but most of that is like medical model, Western side of things. This is how you do A, B, C, and D. Scientific method. Very scientific, which is fabulous. Um, And it wasn't until after I graduated and started my first job, and I was actually doing class pass around Atlanta. Um, And I've been doing yoga since I was 18, but... um, long story short, I moved from Wisconsin. Now I'm in Atlanta. And I was like, I need to check out these, you know, different yoga studios. Um, but I, it really started to shift and change my life. And I decided to plunge into yoga teacher training after about a year and a half of, um, working as a physical therapist. And during my time doing that, it was a three month training. That's when I learned all of these different subtleties that I had never been able to put my finger on. Mm. And we went over the history of yoga, the history of breath work, the history of meditation, and these asanas or postures that we've done. But we also learned about the subtle body, which is the chakras that along are, excuse me, are aligned along your spine from the base of your pelvis to right above your head. And how each one of those can be balanced or imbalanced and what that may manifest in your life physically or emotionally and mentally. And I knew after doing that training how I can mold that and help people kind of discover that both with their physical therapy issues. So that's when I learned about the energy, not at school. So what is it like when somebody walks into an appointment with you and they're coming in for pelvic floor and you realize there's something way beyond just maybe function. How does that appear to you? Like, how are you able to tell? Sure. Um, so I'm not going to step outside of my scope, of course, being a physical therapist, you know, sometimes some of my sessions, you know, and I treat all clients one-on-one for an hour. So we have like a private one-hour treatment session and a lot of dialogue is happening actually in those sessions. Um, and, and so sometimes I, I am like a therapist to these people, but I'm yeah. trying to steer them back to their goals, their performance goals, their life goals. Ultimately, I want to take away barriers physically that are happening to them so that they can achieve that. So I don't wear my yoga hat a lot in 
the the clinic. However, I do with my movements, my postures, but I can still tell if something is eating someone up. So for example, um, I had a client recently. She is a mom of uh, a two-year-old. She's postpartum, of course, and she um, is trying to navigate returning to work. And she was just telling me, you know, she has back pain, pain in her pelvis, the list goes on and she just started crying when we were talking about her goals because mm. we weren't achieving what she wanted to be achieving. And I just, we were talking and I was like, what is your number one problem? Like th- what is the one thing that we can fix right now or find a solution to? And it had nothing to do with her pelvis, had nothing to do with her back. There's it was, oh, there's Siri. <laughs> Siri's trying to help me. It had something to do with being in the kitchen all day. She's always preparing meals. She's always feeding her two-year-old. She's, you know, doesn't know what to get at the grocery store. She isn't eating the correct diet. So her problem was food. And so now I'm on the hunt for, you know, how I can get people connected to her so that she can get systematized on that end so that other parts of her life can flow. Now, that is like not really physical therapy, but it is. So that's like a long way of answering like how we kind of get there. But it's kind of like a whole life type of service that you offer. You know, like people move their bodies, they work hard, but a lot of times I imagine that energy can get stuck in there. So what does that look like? So if I'm a listener and thinking about, you know, I kind of get the feeling that I have this pain or something is tight or I'm not sure what it is. But a lot of times it can be stuck energy, whether it's trauma, whether it's emotional, you know, like how do you navigate that? How do you help somebody navigate what that looks like? And, and what is the science or the, the information behind it? So um, especially in the pelvis, low back, SI joint, even core things, um, I'm going to enter that scene from a physical standpoint. However, we can get some balance with those things by doing some stretches. We can do some physical things. And sometimes, like I mentioned, even just talking about what could be causing the pain or um, being in a posture or a position that brings out the pain, it can make people cry, it can make people laugh. Mm. That is energy moving in the body. So, uh, away from the clinic, if we talk about a yoga class, um, the, the whole yoga class, uh, depending on where you take it is meant to move energy throughout the body. And you're doing different postures, you're doing different breathing techniques. And I don't know if you've been in a class where they say, just let anything come out that wants to come out. Mm. Um, whether, you know, that's crying or laughing or yelling, or that's, that's energy moving, or I don't know if you've ever experienced I don't know, you walked into a room or you were sitting on the couch and you just felt a reason to move or felt a reason to have an emotion and you weren't sure why, that's just energy moving. So we can facilitate that physically in physical therapy kind of unintentionally. It's just all intertwined, but we may not be aware of it. Then there's other practitioners that do energy work, um, like Reiki healers and, um, breath workers are amazing at this because they're helping you facilitate that energy movement within you. So I've done some, um, breath work classes that are not just like inhale, exhale, but it's, it's actually creating some 
interesting sensations in the body that it, it's can I need to pause on yeah. the breath work thing <laughs> so I have done I've taken some kundalini classes which are primarily breath yes. work and I fucking hate them <laughs> like I just I feel like it's so like I'm going to die or that I can't catch my breath or it feels so I feel like there's something there and some reason why. And even with my therapist, sometimes we'll do breathwork sessions and I try and avoid them. Why am I so resistant to it? And what is, what is, what is behind it? Not sure why, but um, as any healer would say, you probably need to push into that resistance. There, yeah. There's, you know, a door that is not being opened quite yet. Um, and I know that feeling it's like, Oh, I don't want to go there. My favorite thing to do is avoid. So I don't, I'm like, "Ah, (laughs) I don't feel like being upset about that. Or I don't feel like crying about that. Or I don't feel like going back to that memory that made me really upset. Um, and I probably need to be better about it too, in sitting with it and allowing those things to come up. Um, also another way that moves energy. I don't know if you've done, um, sound baths. Um, I did a, uh, sound bath class, uh, one winter solstice. Um, and I had lost several family members last year, um, in 2021 actually. Um, and so that was pretty difficult, but when I did the sound bath, I was getting memories of these people and wow. it was so fascinating. And, I feel really connected personally to my body through physical and um, sensory experiences like that. And when I say sound bath, like they're playing the sound bowls and there's different vibrations, which also connect to your different chakras around your spine Hmm. and body. But also like they were playing different noises and banging gongs and things like that. And you're just laying there kind of taking in that vibration and sound and it was moving through me. So if you want to feel like a physical energy that actually moves, in my opinion, I think sound baths are really great for that because our bodies are made up mostly of water. And so when you feel that vibration of the sound, you feel it in your body Hmm. and it can stimulate things. And another example of that, um, I did a, uh, workshop about, I think it was self-transformation and my teacher had sound bowls of every chakra. There's different frequencies for every single one. Wow. So we would meditate or lay there and she would play all the way up. And then a different part of the day, we would play all the way down, but we took note of what we felt, what we thought about, what didn't resonate. And she's like, which ones don't resonate with you? And there was a couple, I think it was my throat chakra Hmm. and it was my, why wouldn't it resonate with you? And how would you be able to tell that for me personally, that meant like when she was playing the the throat chakra one, um, like I felt tight in my throat when it happened. There are certain ones when she was playing, I felt like release or nothing or happy or, but when I start to feel anxiety or constriction or like, no, I don't want to go through that door. She's like, ah, well, figure it out. We got a spot, right? Yeah. Yeah. So how disconnected are we with our own bodies? In your estimate, you see a lot of bodies. Mm -hmm. How disconnected do you think we are? Um, Like you said, I think we're making progress. Mm -hmm. Um, I think just a lot of what we do every day takes us away from um, just connecting inward. And a lot of what I teach is reestablishing that foundational connection, just starting with your breath and like core connection. To me, that's the first core exercise so that we can 
go out and move and do other things without pain. Um, so it's hard to say, but a lot of us aren't aware. And a lot of my work is to help bridge that gap for people. Do you find that people are resistant to that? Sometimes. Um, and I love the saying, you know, if someone is maybe not interested in my services or not interested in, you know, whatever work they're doing, it may be a no for right now. Sometimes it's just not the right time for some people to work through things, even physical injuries. You know, if they don't have the capacity or the discipline or the, um, the heart and the emotion to like deal with it, it's really hard work to heal really, really hard. It feels very layered though, because I'm thinking about, you know, like there's a lot of societal programming, you know, that's kind of layered into motivation that's layered into just, um, being on autopilot and like doing something different to get a different result can be painful and like bringing up other things. And I think, you know, like Personally, I feel even through my own journey of just trying so many new things and trying to establish new neural pathways Mm -hmm. so I can maybe get out of some of that old stuff. I wonder what it looks like for a patient with you that is awakening. What does that look like? Um, It looks like crying. (laughs) (laughs) I see a lot of emotion. Um, which I welcome and I, I know that that person is, you know, moving through something. And again, intuitively, we adjust to what we need to do for that session or Mm. the next couple of sessions afterward. Um, and awakening can look like acceptance. It can look like, um, I may be accepting where I am in my life, where my body is, um, those types of things, which can help healing, versus magic pills you're all fixed all better you know genie like this is this is all done it's rarely like that but um that's what it looks like to me so can you tell me about the function of a pelvic floor physical therapist and who would need it yeah so it's um as you were mentioning earlier it is becoming more common to know about pelvic floor pt um and I still treat everything from head to toe, but right now I'm specializing again in women's health, uh, pregnant and postpartum women, um, those who leak with exercise, coughing, laughing, jumping, pelvic pain, and that includes having pain in the back, uh, low back, uh, SI joint, uh, pelvis, pain with sex, pain with intimacy, all of those things. So I'm helping rehabilitate the pelvic floor tissue, but that is literally the foundation and the base of our spine, which is connected to our spine, which connects to our legs and our arms and our ears and our ankles. So like it's literally head to toe, but primarily for those pelvic floor dysfunctions, that's what I'm helping people overcome. So it looks a little bit different if someone's coming in postpartum, even early, um, for more wellness reasons. Like I just want to make sure I ramp back up my um, activity safely. I will walk someone through with that. I will have someone who um, maybe is, you know, later in life powerlifting, but they're leaking urine. I will work them through what their pressure management system can handle and what their pelvic floor is capable of. And we have a starting point. 
and the list goes on. Or I can, you know, work with people who are having uh, pain with sex. Uh, it's called vaginismus uh, for those who like literally can't allow any penetration or anything to be up in the vaginal canal. So we actually are working, you know, soothingly on how to correct that. And a lot of it is in a team approach with a therapist, with a gynecologist, and with you know other people and that client moving through their healing process and probably need to have you know some energetic movement going mm. on in their body there was something i was really surprised to learn and when i think about my family my grandmother wore depends my mother wore depends my father pees all over the place <laughs> i don't think he knows where the toilet is <laughs> and he's 94 and i thought it was um just inevitable as you get older. And what I realized is that it is not, that it can be controlled. Yes. I, I, I was floored. Yeah. For real? Yeah. <laughs> so what is going wrong? Why Why is that the laxity or whatever? So as we age, um, especially in women, we have a lot of hormonal changes. And so with that comes um, decreased strength in our muscles. Also, if we're not keeping up our physical activity and namely um, like high intensity work or strength work, sometimes that just puts a lot of pressure on our pelvic floor. So when we um, do a task that's too much for our body, that can lead to pain and leakage. But again, our pelvic floor is the base of our spine. It's the base of our core. So if our core is not functioning, that can lead to other issues. Um, same thing could be for you know aging uh, male populations, uh, as you get weaker, you may need to, you know, bear down and, and kind of, you know, tense all your muscles in order to stand up when once you did not have to do that. And that might lead to putting all the pressure down in your pelvis and out comes some mm. urine. So it, it, in the aging population, it has something to do with, we're all going to be losing muscle mass, but we can control how much we lose if we can get on it on the front end. Mm. So I had an interesting thing happen and this was in 2020. So it was like a stressful year for the world. Mm -hmm. And I remember watching Handmaid's Tale. Mm -hmm. Have you seen A Handmaid's Tale? Yes. So if anybody is listening to this and has not seen it, it is a very stressful show to watch. Yeah. And I remember I, I had Hulu, but it was like the unpaid one where you get like two minutes, three minutes of commercials, like every five seconds. And every single commercial, I had to pee. Every single commercial, I had to pee. And I realized I had something wrong, you know, because I had to pee so frequently, especially at night. Hmm. And I wonder how much of, whether it's a uh, 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 urge to go mm -hmm. frequently. And I thought, wait a minute, I'm in my 40s. I, I shouldn't be doing this, mm -hmm. you know? It shouldn't be this way so early. And I wonder how much of it is anxiety induced. Mm -hmm. So that speaks to another condition we treat is urge incontinence or stress incontinence. So when you're leaking urine with coughing, sneezing, laughing, jumping, that is typically stress incontinence. So there is a lot of stress on the system, on the torso, and a lot of pressure going down. So out comes urine. Urge is more of a behavioral issue. And we um, attack it as such. And so I usually have clients write a bladder diary. So I'm seeing mm -hmm. how often that they're going to the restroom, how much water or fluid they're taking in, and um, at what times of day are they going. 
and our bladder is very trainable. You have kids, so you've potty trained. You know how trainable the bladder is. But I we, need to be potty trained, <laughs> apparently. Pretty much, yeah, we have to go back to training our bladder again, and it's extremely trainable. So, And there's also some folks who have a mix of both, urge and stress incontinence. Um, but we should try to fix the behavioral issues first and then see what's left over after. But it's um, just a... Uh, a trainable thing. But back to your point about anxiety, um, I'm sure that that can lead to that as well as there's triggers for the bladder that Mm. make it um, kind of spaz and make you feel like you have to go even if there's not a lot of urine. So unfortunately, these are our favorite things like seltzers and wine and chocolate and um, high citrus fruits, um, like red sauce and things like that. Having too much of that, if you're already um, having an irritated bladder, will just make it irritate more and it'll contract and spaz and say, you need to go to the bathroom. So we try to create a plan for each person who has this issue on like what they need to focus on. So what are some of the um, practical things that a listener can do to help with some of the functionality and also the energy movement? Let's see where to start. So um, I also have a lot of information of this on our blog about bladder habits and pooping habits. Great. Um, so like there's there's different things that you want to do for your bladder, right? You want to make sure that you're going at, you know, anywhere between uh, five to seven times a day um, and just drinking enough water. And also don't everyone stop just in case peeing. Don't do that. Like if I know that seriously we don't, don't do I'm that. always just in case peeing yeah constantly <laughs> I would say try not to do that and I know it can provide or create some anxiety yeah going out in the world and you're like I don't know when I'm gonna go to the bathroom again right. um but again we can train our bladder um and I know it's we're we're not big fans of public restrooms. I'm not either, but I like wipe down the toilet seat and I sit down. Other thing for your bladder, sit down on the toilet. Don't hover. And, um, a group exercise class, we used to call it the Texaco squat. Like you hover over, (laughs) um, don't do that. Sit down, wipe it off and let your pelvic floor relax. So if you're standing to pee or like squatting, you're having to push through a lot of tension and we're causing other issues. So stop doing that. <laughs> That's for the bladder. Okay. So for the uh, posterior piece, the the pooping part, you know, we have some people who are on the looser side and some people who are on the constipated side. If you're right in the middle, that's great. But, I, you know, you need to make sure you have enough fiber, enough water, and you have a routine to go number two every single day. So we need to be taking a look at our diet and overall routines and health so that like our gut can feel good and it puts less pressure on your pelvic floor. If you're constipated like me, I'm still trying to work on it. It is putting a lot of pressure uh, on those tissues that it doesn't need to be. Mm. So um, there's that. And then you said energy. Energetically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would say trying to take time throughout the day to do something quiet and for you. So even if it's like five to 15 minutes of meditation, breath work, journaling, uh, movement, if it's like gentle, like mindful movement, just something that you're connecting and getting quiet because I don't know about you, but when I wake up in the morning, 
I'm trying not to look at my phone first thing, but it's just so chaotic and my brain can get really chaotic and it's racing about the next thing and the thing tomorrow and the thing five years from now. And that's, that's my anxiety. So when I quiet myself and give myself time to center, literally I feel better, which is why I am a big fan of yoga and I try to do it as much as I can. What do you know that you wish other people could know? Oh my. Um, if you, I, I think everyone knows this, but I'm going to repeat it. If you don't use it, you lose it. It is so true. Um, and I, as a 31 year old, I feel like I'm falling into some of the traps that I've told my clients for years. I'm like, well, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And use what? Uh, anything like I'm talking more about like your muscles, but also it could be any habit. It could be any, um, you were talking earlier about neural pathways. If you Mm -hmm. don't use it, you lose it. If you don't do your task or you don't do this new hobby that you're practicing, or if you're trying to land a certain yoga pose, or you're trying to learn something, if you don't keep using that muscle, you're going to lose it. So whatever it is that you're focused on or, um, that you want to get better at and overcome, just keep pushing. So that means consistency. So I don't mm. think it's new, but I just think it's it's worth repeating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd be interested to hear one of your favorite transformation stories of the work that you do. Um, let me think. I have several. Um, I can't think of one off the top of my head right now, but... I will say what it really takes for a client to move through their healing, depending on what they're coming in for, right? There are certain injuries that, you know, can kind of be overcome quickly, especially if somebody has less um, barriers or they have less um, co-founding variables in the way, like life and stress and kids and like time during the Mm. day. But when we have a lot of those things like stacked up against you, we're going to spend a long time together. So I'm going to tell you just of a story that I had recently. I've been working with a client for, I don't know, like 20, 20 sessions and it's not a female. It's it's a guy. And, um, he came in and drew on my board um, how he was doing that day. And so he made a graph, like he had an X and a Y chart and he took the marker and made like a squiggly line that was going up and down, up and down, but it was all moving up. And he was like, this is how I'm doing today. Hmm. And it, and it ended on the up, but he kind of communicated to me that he knows that there's like ups and downs Mm. to his recovery, but today he's on and up and he knows that the graph is trending up, even though we've been working together for like months now. Um, that he can recognize and see that. So I feel like everyone has that potential and nothing is easy about recovery and healing and energy work. This is all just something that we, you know, have to live with and sit with. And I am here to like hold people's hands through that and lovingly hold their feet to the fire through that as well. I think that's a great metaphor for life that I think we expect everything should be happy. That's what we are used to seeing on Instagram and, you know, like the highlight reel. So when things aren't that way, people really plummet. But when it's expected that it's going to be in cycles and that it's going to take time, it's kind of like, you know, all right, I'm going to lose 
50 pounds. I went to the gym once and that should be enough, right? My clothes should be falling off me. <laughs> and and it's not that way. It's a, it's a process. So I love that. So how do people get in touch with you, Dr. Crystal Fannin? Yes. So I am on Instagram at crystalhealing.pt. So crystal is spelled with a K. And you can find me at Athletes Potential. So all of that information on the website. We're, we have a YouTube. I'll we have, have an it Instagram. In the show notes, yeah. Um, and I'm working on finding a yoga studio to call my home and to also teach at as well. So I that's stay tuned. But anything that I'm doing in the community, I share on Instagram. So that's where you can follow me. Well, thank you so much for being here. I loved it. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs>